It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 183. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening. It's Tuesday the 27th of February. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Coming up between now and 8 o'clock, Colin Donnery from the FRS Group will be here to talk about the rise in work permits amid a huge demand for migrant workers to fill the many skills gaps across the country and nowhere more uh, particular than the Midlands, because actually the Midlands remains very low on the list of permits actually issued in 2023. It's about 900 permits out of something like 30,000 nationally. So are we missing an opportunity there? Is your company missing an opportunity to find the talent it needs and maybe to fill some of those skills gaps that exist? Well, Colin will take us through the sectors that perform well in that area, the ones maybe that are missing an opportunity and also talk about the process and the, the recent extension of the work permit scheme that was announced in late December by last year. Also, at Lone Chamber of Commerce are about to kick off their public forum sessions. The first one has taken place on International Women's Day. That's the 8th of March. And a little bit later, the CEO of the Chamber, Tommy Hogan, will be here with all the details you need on the guest speakers that are going to be talking on the 8th of March and how you can secure a place at that event. And also, now we live in a world of video Everybody seems to be, you know, copping on to the fact that video seems to be the place to be. It doesn't mean that you can overlook audio or good old uh, type and copy setting and all that type of stuff. But however, video seems to be the place to be at the minute. But many of you, I'm sure, have a certain amount of camera shyness when it comes to making videos. So you probably know that maybe I need to get my my business more visible and start creating these videos. But I just don't like getting in front of the camera. Well, Darren Doyle from Studio 93 in Moat will be along shortly to give you all the hints and tips that he's picked up over the last couple of years because he's a bit of an expert when it comes to video and uh, audio production and he'll give away all those secrets that you need to know to really propel your business to the next level. That and we'll have updates on various news items taking place across the Midlands over the past couple of weeks too. So looking forward to uh, your opinion too and if you want to join this evening's conversation as always you can do so by text or WhatsApp 083 103 is the number you'll get me at here in the studio. Text or WhatsApp or you can get, email me business at mid Midlands103.com. But first this evening, um, I want to bring you to an announcement that was made the week before last where Ireland, the country at large, was recognised in the FDI Intelligence European Cities and Regions of the Future Rankings for 2024. As a nation, we came out very, very well. Many of the regions came out quite close to the top in terms, certainly top three in terms of the ranking. Um, the Midlands region, though, however, was given particular mention and indeed particular accreditation in these awards. The awards are, are the, the, the listing is backed by the Financial Times and the FDI intelligence analyses 500 cities and regions and groups them by population size and puts them into five categories, major, large, mid-size, small and micro. Well, the Midwest region of Ireland has ranked top of the top of its class in the following category. That's a European region of the future 2024 So what does that actually mean? What is that telling us about the Midlands Midwest region and I suppose its stance and its status in terms of foreign direct investment, its universities, everything else that goes in in putting us there atop of that list? Well, 
To find out more, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Anne Cusick. Anne is the current chair of the Midlands Regional Enterprise Plan and uh, is, is into her second term as well for the 2020, 2020 to 2024. Anne is a qualified non-executive director and serves on a number of boards, including the governing body of the Technological University of the Shannon. Anne, of course, is the former founder of Critical Healthcare, a company that was acquired in 2021. Very good evening, Anne, and welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Thanks very much, Ronan. Delighted to be here. And a lot of what I said there introducing this um, ranking that, that the Midwest region has got probably goes over some people's heads. Distill it down. What does it actually mean? Really what it means is it's a recognition, I guess, of the really strong collaboration that goes on within the Midlands region. Um, by that, I mean the stakeholders who are involved include industry themselves, so leaders within the various enterprises that are based in the Midlands, the local, um, the Leo's Enterprise Ireland, the IDA, Forge Ireland, and of course the likes of our education sector, TUS, the Regional Skills Forum and the ETBs. So they all come together and it has always been, I, I guess, a bit of a surprise to me of how well everybody cooperates with each other. So the committee itself is quite large, but everybody comes to every meeting and included in that is that But two years ago, there was a consultation process whereby three strategic objectives for the region were decided upon. And out of that came 10 actions, a suite of 10 actions. And I guess what this award is about is recognising that the impact of these actions has what the impact of these actions has had on the region in particular. So collaboration as at the core, I think a lot of those organisations and various agencies and bodies you've mentioned there, a lot of featured on this show over the past couple of years, yeah. like, you know, even things like the clusters. And we now have clusters representing, is it about five or six different industry sectors? The clusters are key to the Midlands region. So we've got cluster, we've got the ICT cluster, Ingenuity focusing on engineering cluster. We've got ATIM focusing on the advanced manufacturing cluster. And we've also got the food and drink cluster about to be launched fairly shortly. But we've also got a cluster cluster coming out of the IMR. So we, in fact, only two weeks ago, we had all five of them come together in in an inaugural meeting to look at the cross exchange of ideas and projects that we could collaborate on as a region. And again, this is very unique to this region. And of course, the region, again, in the 2023 figures released from the IDA just quite recently, another great year for, for, for investment overall. I mean, the IDA, 132 new investments last year, or sorry, 132 investments outside of the Dublin area, representing 54% of the total investments. And crucially, within the Midlands region, um, the region recorded a 5.8% growth, which was more than double the rate of the next best region. So the yeah. word is getting out there. The Midlands is becoming... Surely it's because it's really coming into the focus of, of many, particularly foreign direct investment companies. Yes, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that, although I would also point out that they also saw a similar increase in the indigenous Irish companies also. So it's across the board. But the couple of reasons, I think, are we have such an active and engaged educational sector. So we work very closely with the likes of TUS and the Regional Skills Forum. And in particular, I, I know you spoke to John Costello from the Regional Skills Forum recently, who'd conducted an ICT skills survey amongst um, industry in the Midlands. So when you have things like that going on, where they're identifying what courses can be arranged for incumbents, incoming employees there or those who are already in place. And then we also work with others who can look at retraining, upskilling. So all that 
makes a huge difference to companies that are looking at coming in or those who are already here and looking to expand. And of course, even recently on the show, at the end of January, we had representatives from the Dream Big project again, mm. kind of steered by the Aitlin cluster. But you had industry representatives from companies like, and those indigenous companies like your Mergons, your Decotech Automotives and Robotics and Drives in Mullingar. I mean, global leaders in what to do, huge number of employees as well. And again, showcasing what can be done. And I suppose I hadn't really thought of it back then, but again, another indication of that collaboration and the openness, is that fair to say that we're now seeing by by Irish companies, by multinationals and by all our sectors? Because what has changed, you think, and you're somebody with vast experience in industry as well. What has changed? Because I know myself 20 years ago when I was working in a certain industry, you didn't tell your customers mm. or, or your competitors or other companies anything about yourself. You actually told them lies to try and put them off dissent. What has changed? It, it, very, very good point. And I would con- completely concur in fact, when we were talking about this at the cluster meeting a couple of weeks ago, that same comment was made. And I think what's happened is now that we're looking at the impact that clusters have, not only in Ireland, not only in the Midlands, but across Europe as well, that's what they're seeing. And in fact, Katrina Morden, manager of ATIM, had even said that she has now client companies working together where maybe a year ago they might have been competing against each other for the same contract. But what's the saying? Together we can be bigger. And that's what they're actually finding. So I think that's very telling. And the clusters in the Midlands has been very, very impactful. And again, some of those relationships then extend outside of Ireland, maybe onto continental Europe too, in terms of maybe a third party supplier. So it, it kind of is shown what can be unlocked with it. The the role that, you know, I suppose things like the having a TU in the Midlands also plays and two most recently recognised again, getting a, like a five star standard and, and again putting it on, I guess, on an international kind of a list and showing people that look at this is this is an up and coming TU. Absolutely. And the fact that it is very much a research focused university with a focus on industry gives it that extra clout and gives it that authority to be able to look at what they're doing and reach out to enterprise and industry throughout. So that has been very significant for them. There was one other item I just wanted to mention when you said the word is getting out there. And that's really also down to an initiative that was put into place again just over a year ago as part of the regional enterprise plan. And that was the digital platform that is midlandsireland.ie. So that has been very significant in driving through the promotion, the communication of what's going on in, in the Midlands. And I guess our our message is where everything connects and that digital platform is there to show various channels I suppose as to the Midlands being the place to study, to work, to live, to invest and to visit and that encompasses all of that through that platform. I will say I enjoy following the the posts across all social media because you unearth stories of businesses, even community groups and things that you never knew of and often like that it's on your own doorstep and we we don't see it or don't appreciate it too. Of course like you know again the Midlands really at a, at, a, at a critical juncture with things like the Just Transition Fund as well, where over the next year or two, we, we should see loads of companies both existing and maybe new ideas really coming to the fore and, and potentially rising our star even further. Is that fair to say? I think it is. And certainly Fault Ireland have been really busy in putting in, I suppose, engaging with communities and ga- engaging with enterprise to see what they can do in terms of looking at applications seeing how we can empower people in the community to either drive community engagement or social enterprises, anything that gets people together. 
So, yes. And build upon what we have already. But um, again, it's just fascinating. And it must be a proud moment for you all as well to get that recognition. And I think it is. And, and I wasn't aware of that. And it's, it's, it's lovely to hear you say about that, that collaboration, that collective approach that's been taken now. It, it is different than we were used to before. It's clearly working, as opposed to yourself and everybody involved. Congratulations, Anne. Well, I think I'd probably have to say it's not down to me. Um, but I would certainly say that the Regional Enterprise Plan Office led by Sarah Morgan, who's the programme manager, and she has a team of people with, a small team, but a team of people with her, and they are magnificent at what they do. Anne Cusack, thank you so much for that. And of course, the chair of the Midlands Regional Enterprise Plan. On that whole area of Just Transition Funding, two weeks ago, Mary Henzi was on, and she was recently appointed as the EU Just Transition Fund Tourism Activator for County Offaly. Mary's been in touch with me this afternoon to say that following on from the show and from the stuff they released over the last couple of weeks, uh, Mary has now gone and organised three public meetings in March to inform all of you regarding EU Just Transition Fund Regenerative Tourism and Placemaking Scheme. And uh, there's three events taking place in Tullamore, in the Tullamore Court Hotel on March the 5th at 7pm, in Burr in the County Arms Hotel on March the 13th, again at 7pm, and and in Eden Derry as well, in Eden Derry Library on March the 20th at 6.30pm. So again, check them out across their social media channels there, or Offaly County Council. On the evenings, the EU Just Transition Fund Tourism Activator, Mary, will be present, along with Offaly Tourism Officer Olive Farley and Ireland's Hidden Heartlands Fault Ireland Manager Gráinne Carnally will be there too to discuss the various funding options available under those schemes that Mary went through uh, two weeks ago. Listen back to the podcast is up there, midlands103.com if you want to find out more about those. But again, a huge opportunity for anybody in the tourism sector and it's a kind of a wide enough brand there, a wide enough um, eligibility. So get checking that out. But three information events coming up as well. Offaly County Council, social media and Offaly Tourism will give you all the information you need. Time for a quick break. After that, overcoming your camera shyness when it comes to making video. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Plenty to get your teeth into before now and eight o'clock, including the work permit scheme. There was a major extension of the scheme announced in December, but the demand for migrant workers to fill the many skills gaps across the Midlands is rising and getting wider and wider. Are companies actually leveraging the talent pool that's out there across the world? And indeed, if so, how can we go about getting those people and getting in to fill all those roles? Because there's not a day goes by that you don't have a conversation with somebody who is just short on people, short on skilled people, semi-skilled people, people just to do basic enough roles in it. Colin Donnery from FRS Recruitment will be along a little bit later to talk us through all that and see kind of what the changes made, what they mean and how you can go about applying and trying to get some people to fill those uh, skills gaps as well. And later on, Athlone Chamber are about to kick off their public forum sessions starting International Women's Day, the 8th of March. CEO Tommy Hogan will have all the details for that for you at about quarter to eight. Before that, though, when it comes to social media now, for, for many years, it has been predicted and tipped that, tipped that um, video is the place to be and we all need to be super duper at videos. Our phones are great enablers to give us great options and great chances and the potential to create create great videos. It doesn't mean we do create videos. And one factor in that is undoubtedly camera shyness. Are you somebody who would love to create more video for your own personal branding, for your business branding, just to grow your own profile, whatever it might be, but maybe struggle with a bit of camera shyness? Well, sitting in front of me right now is a man who is not 
any way shy in getting in front of the camera because he uses it as a way of showcasing his own service and, and trying to help us all overcome any kind of shyness we might have or any issues or gives those technical questions about making video, about producing great social media, about you know, creating great audio. It's Darren Doyle from Studio 93 and most. Darren, very good evening. Hello, Ron, and thank you for that lovely and intro. how wonderful to have this conversation on radio as <laughs> yes. well. Um, and I must point out, actually, over the last week or two, we've had a camera system installed in the studio. So when I talk, I'm on a screen, and when you talk, you're on screen. So even here on radio, and you see this happening across local stations and nationally, video is becoming the big thing. But shyness, you're seeing this, you're, you're seeing, you said to me last week, you reached out to me and said, you're seeing this constantly. People are still very shy about getting in front of the camera. Why is that happening in this day and age, do you think? Well, uh, I actually think camera shyness is doing a, a disservice because I actually, I see it more as camera paralysis when I see someone in front of me who who seizes up or even I don't, maybe sometimes I don't get them in front of me because of the fact that they are so scared to go and do that. So we, as a marketing company, we work, to, we do a lot of corporate videos to professional shoots. So over the years, I have found that while I turn up for a shoot and a big part of the job is bringing all the gear, setting up all the gear um, and then editing the video after. But on the shoot, the biggest part of my job has become making that person feel comfortable in front of the camera. And that to me now is the bigger job than the cameras. The cameras once they're set is fine. So I've seen this over years and years and years and it's the same mental blocks that people put up all the time that stop them from, from really you know, growing in terms of their potential for their business and their own personal growth by having this fear or this paralysis of the camera. So I guess we could start with some of the reasons why I have found people to have this fear, right? And and by the way, these are all, I'm not belitt- belittling any of these fears. I understand all of these fears. I've gone through these myself. But some of the ones, the main ones are, the first one is that people think it has to be perfect, Right? And that's one of the reasons why they won't pick up their phone, make a quick TikTok video or an Instagram video or even get in front of me and get me to bring in my professional gear because they think it won't be perfect. Right. And what I say to those people is it doesn't have to be perfect. I have found over the years authenticity. Authenticity is the number one driver of videos that do well, not word for word perfect videos. People want to see a real person like them on the other side of the phone or the camera, whatever it is, the odd time having a little stutter or maybe having to think of a word because that is genuine. And as a business, the number one thing you want to get across in your video is this. We are genuine people and we're a genuine company and we are people at the end of the day. And we're not AI generated. And we're not. And we that's a whole other night yes, of discussion on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some other some other uh, bl- mental blockers that, that people have is um, th- there's this fear of how will I per- be perceived, right? We all want people to like us. And some people think, oh, and they don't say it, but it's like, what if, what if people think I'm stupid? What if I say something wrong? Oh, I can't have that. And I think that's a big fear for people, right? And what I, the way I think about this is, and I say it to people is, and I kind of, when I explain this, they kind of go, yeah, like, Anyone watching a video want you to succeed. There's no one saying, here's Ronan doing a video. I really hope he wrecks, wrecks this video on it. I hope he makes a fool of himself. Like no one is saying that. 
if someone pops up, if someone pops up, say a client of mine, and they've started to experiment with video and they pop up on LinkedIn or whatever it is, LinkedIn is great for video. Like the first, my first instinct is fair, fair, fair play to him, fair play to Roland there. It doesn't matter that, that this video is imperfect, but I have admiration for Roland now because he's done that. He's got through that block of not doing it. So people should be aware of, I always say, your audience is rooting for you. No one hopes you fails. So, so, so when people get over that, they start to feel a little bit better about it. Um, what's the other thing? Often I have people, again, this is deep-rooted kind of human nature stuff. A lot of people are a bit, maybe, maybe they're not comfortable with how they look physically. Okay, that can, be, that can be a blocker as well. But the main things I have found is they're worried about how they'll be perceived, which also does play into the, the physicality of it as well. Video clearly then is the place to be because what is from your own experience as a digital marketer that you're, it's definitely out there, get your videos made. What is it with video that maybe is setting it apart from, from other social channels or is it like a lot of things, pick, pick the medium that is best suited towards your audience or the channel you want to use? Why video, I guess? I think there's a couple of elements here. Um, apart from sitting across the table and talking to, to someone like we are doing now, I think video is the closest we can get to that because you're, ideally you have eye contact on some level with the person on the other side of the phone or the, or the video, albeit not in a natural way. But you can empathise with that person more so than, let's say, if you saw a poster or read a blog post or whatever it is. So it's a more of an immediate um, connection, I think. Right. So we can transfer whatever that message is that we're trying to put across. I think it becomes more immediate in that, in that case. But then also, I mean, I pro- we'll probably mentioned this the last time I was in here talking more generally about marketing. It's just that that we're lazy now. Right. And if, if I put a 500 word uh, sheet in front of you, I say, now, Ron, you can read those 500 words or you can watch this two minute video. It's very few people that will take the 500, because actually, 500 words. I think it's LinkedIn will actually tell you the kind of estimated reading time Absolutely. for an article now as yeah. well. So not only are people maybe getting lazy, the, 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 these platforms know that and they're, they're actually kind of confirming it to us as well. So that's, so that again, so there's a straight away video will give you that. I suppose you've also got the audio automatically in your video, which you can now just turn on the captions and, and, and indeed translate it. Like, so is this, are we starting to kind of see now the, the real power of, of a video? Very much so. And again, I know we're not here to talk about social media, but we can look at all of the social media sites. So, I mean, years ago, we had the different social media sites and some were geared towards uh, text, some were more geared towards vis- uh, visuals. So Instagram at the time was all the pictures. We, we see them all moving now heavily into video, every single one of them, even even to Twitter, which was before it was just a text. So there, you can see this massive move to video from all of the social media sites. And you better believe that they have the facts and figures behind that to justify we're going all in on video, every one of them. Yeah, TikTok, I think, have really just, they've ripped up the rule book there and, and the rest of all kind of gone. We have to follow suit on that. Like, at this point, should every business be on TikTok? Or, again, is it just subjective, like, depending on who you are, what you do, and whether that's an audience you're looking for? I, I definitely wouldn't say, my, my message here is not, all you businesses out there, get up off your asses and get do, start doing video. It's not that. But my what I would like is that, See, a lot of people, they they do like the idea of doing video and they can see the power in the video. But again, back to my original uh, part of my conversation, is it's just that mental blocker that they have. They just can't bring themselves to take that first step, right? And so my, my message to people out there is just to start to take that first step. Here's the first step, by the way, that I'm talking about, right? The best way to start in video is 
not to call me and get me to come in with all my professional gear and do a professional shoot. The best way to start is to take out your phone straight after this interview, right? Have a, a little uh, think about maybe what, what you might want to do, talk about. And talk into your phone for 20 seconds, right? Then stop. Then watch it back. Then delete if you want. You don't have to post it. But just watch it back, right? Every time you do that, you will. It's this idea of Kaizen. Constantly, tiny, tiny improvements. Constantly, right? So if you did that once a day for a month, you would be, you, you know, every time you look. Now, this is important as well, because also there's this idea of 10,000 hours for mastery or whatever. Now, I actually think it's 10,000 iterations, right? So it's not that you do it for 10,000 times. You, you do it 10,000 times, but you learn a little more every time. I'm going to give you one example of myself, right? When I start doing this, because I work behind the camera, but I'm also comfortable in front of the camera, but I wasn't always, right? So when I started, uh, my wife, who's listening, probably remember this. I did short videos like this, and I looked at, looked at it back. And I remember it was her, I think, that pointed out to me, she said, your, your hands are all over the place. And she was right. I, I'm doing it now, you can see. I'm very expressive with my hands. And when I started doing videos for myself, it was too distracting, right? So that's something I learned by observing myself. And now I'm able to, on video, not now, <laughs> but on video, I can now be conscious that I can just control it back and can pull it back a little bit. Some other people might have maybe uh, a, a vocal tick. A lot of people will say M a lot. M, 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 M. But you will only get better at that stuff by practicing it yourself. You don't have to show anyone and watch back your videos and learn and iterate. 1% better every day. And I suppose like that too, with those iterations, you probably then start getting a sense of the way the audience likes your message. You know, can you actually convey your message in, in a couple of short lines? Yeah. I think a lot of Irish people are a little bit guilty of what do you do in your business? Oh, we, and yes. five minutes later, and the truth is maybe they don't have it maybe defined themselves. They don't. They can't maybe give that elevator pitch, that value proposition. They're, and maybe there's a little sense of that. And, and that, I suppose, would increase maybe a potential nervousness then about actually putting yourself out there and, and doing yeah. a video. And actually, just on your piece about watching back, from the very first time I started doing radio, um, Albert Fitzgerald, our former MD, always said to me, you will be your own best critic. Listen back, you'll hear those little those little ticks, those little cues that you keep using too often. And, and he was absolutely right. You are your own best. So I totally agree with you on that one. I just want to be clear on this though, because I, I, I definitely say, and I'm not saying do the video and start publish, posting it yet. You do that when you're ready. But you do the video, you watch it yourself, you learn a little bit and you delete the video. That's what I'm saying. And what you're saying there is exactly right. You will always be your worst critic. Um, and don't be afraid as well. Like I did, this is years ago. I, I did that video and I, either my wife looked over my shoulder or I might, maybe I handed it to her and said, what do you think? So don't be afraid to get feedback from other people as well. They, they're, they're going to give you positive feedback because they only want to see you improve. Okay? Yeah, somebody told me once, um, said you're posting videos on Instagram there now, kind of what's coming up on the show. Yeah. You blink quite a lot. I was like, do I? And I went back and looked and I went, actually, in that video, I was blinking quite a lot. Well, I don't know what it was. I think it was because maybe I was trying to, maybe I hadn't actually maybe written down a few notes as to what I wanted to say. So there is always those little cues. And, and sometimes somebody who's honest with you is, yeah, is greatly yeah. appreciated. But there must be such a thing as a bad video. Are we not living in an age now where it's so easy to make a video on a phone? Are we not just busy polluting the cloud with bad crap video. Uh, yeah, no, there's definitely that. And once we get over the, again, the fear of videos, and you're exactly right in what you've just said there, because once you do get to the point where, okay, now I'm a bit comf more comfortable with the videos, now I'm going to start publishing, right? And as you said, now you have to start analysing the videos 
see which ones get good feedback and be able to, I do this all the time. So some video will do well. And when I say well, it gets interactions, gets shares, gets comments. Um, you have to be able to look at that and go, okay, now what did, it, why was that now? I wonder what I did differently in that video that I didn't do in the other video and be, be able to analyze it a little bit. And you do start seeing patterns. Absolutely, you do start seeing patterns. One big tip I'll, I'll give to people when you start doing videos for yourself and no rush, work up to it, is the Ronan, what do you think the most important part of of any video is? It has to be an early hook because I'm imagining attention span at this stage is yeah. probably two to three seconds. So it's the first three seconds of your video wow. is the most yeah. important. And you're right, it's the hook, right? So you need to, and that's an art form in itself. Um, I read a book recently by Stephen Bartlett. He has a whole chapter just on the hook and how important that is, the first three seconds. And that becomes an art form in itself, being able to write a really good hook. You mentioned AI before. There's some really good ways to use AI to help you to craft a hook. So once you get past the fear and start making the videos, you have to learn how to analyze what works, what doesn't work. And I can tell you straight up, a tip is watch that hook because if you don't hook someone in in the first couple of seconds, you've lost them anyway. So it doesn't matter what you say in the rest <coughs> of the video. Absolutely. And, and you see, I remember watching a video a couple of years ago where somebody had created a video about climate change in California and it was six seconds long. And it was hugely impactful, but that was it. They reckoned like six seconds is probably the, the max of it. <coughs> Excuse me, like half the country, I seem to have a bit of a cough on me at the minute. So basically, 1979, I'm going to take you back, because before I was born, it was before you were born as well, there was a song released called Video Killed the Radio Star. People probably know it there, I have it playing in the background at the minute. Video hasn't killed the radio star yet, and I think it's definitely not going to, because as I say, we're adorned with cameras in the studio now, and it really is bringing something like radio and audio to a new level as well. Video is the place to be. Keep it short, keep it sweet, get the hook right, get in front of the camera. Anything else to add to that, Darren? Yes, this is the main thing. Do not, do not be so hard on yourself, right? So again, you're going to look back at the videos, you're going to go, um, I, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit pointy in the video, but don't, don't be hard on yourself. Go, okay, that's fine, that's fine, Darren. You're going you're gonna to work on that. We're not going to do that the next time and you're going to continue to improve and you're not going to be so hard on yourself. Up with what everybody else is doing. Darren, it's been a pleasure as always. You can find out more about Darren at Studio 93. He's based in Moat and does a lot of work for great companies across the Midlands and beyond and uh, always always available there and willing to give his hints and tips and direct, straight to the point advice. Darren, thanks a million. Talk to you again soon. Uh, yeah, so video will not kill the radio star. It didn't in 1979 and it won't in 2024. Time after break though, time to look at work permits and what your company can be doing to try and fill the talent gap. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come, you can find it all about a new series of public forum sessions that at Lone Chamber of Commerce will start running beginning on International Women's Day, the 8th of March. Tommy Hogan, their CEO, will be along very shortly to tell you all you need to know about that. Before that, though, we've been constantly talking on this show and for many, many years now about skills shortages, about talent gaps and about how we can fill all the jobs out there. Recently, the construction industry, the government decided to sponsor an initiative there to try and attract construction talent back to Ireland. But for many years, for decades now, our dependence on migrant workers has been there for all to see, particularly if you're in something like healthcare, you know that without migrant workers or people who have come to this country to maybe on a temporary basis or indeed to set up a whole new life, our health service could not function. And that's reflected in lots of sectors. I know in kind of construction and quarrying back in the 90s, there was big recruitment drives across South Africa to find technical staff and people to, you know, mechanics and fitters and stuff like that, even now in the motor trade. 
um, mechanics are being sourced from South Africa. And the government have responded to this. Back in December, there was a major extension onto the work permit scheme, bringing in more trades, more skills, and uh, to allow companies go and look further afield, maybe to find the necessary talent. Now, in 2023, there was a total of 30,981 work permits issued nationally. Just 932 of those were in the Midland counties of Leash, Offaly and Westmead, though. So are local companies potentially missing a trick here and uh, overlooking a huge opportunity? Well, to look at this a little bit deeper, I'm glad to be joined by Colin Donnery. Colin, of course, is based in County Leash and he's the group CEO of the FRS Group. Uh, very good evening, Colin. Evening. How are you, Ronan? Colin, the whole area of work permits, while it's not new, is it something that companies yeah. are potentially overlooking and, and missing out on opportunity? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think, so, look, and just, so I, when I started my recruitment career many, many aeons ago, as, as Will Faulkner says, back in the 70s or something like that, um, I actually recruited every single person I recruited came from abroad into an IT job. Um, I brought people from India and the Middle East and Russia and America to Ireland and um we used to turn the, the work, it was called a work authorisa- authorization visa in the early 2000s for those workers. And uh, we used to turn it around in two weeks. So we'd basically get a job offer to a to an IT professional. They would go to the consulate, the Irish consulate in the country or the embassy or the consulate, whichever was in, in place. We would have them here in about two or three weeks. So what happened probably since, particularly since the recession, the government made it an awful lot more difficult actually source people from a, from abroad it, longer winded you know work permits were, and and visas were taking you know six eight nine months you know and and a very laborious sort of process so ultimately what's happened is in the last couple of years they've really got their act together and started to speed things up a little it's not perfect but it certainly is better so just to give an example you mentioned the um what happened in 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 December, it was quite unexpected actually, they, they added, so, so what happened is there's two types of work permits, a critical skills uh, permit, which effectively um, the occupations are named, so you, you basically they've added uh, things like forester, meteorologist, chemical engineer to the list, um, estimator, so quite a few BIM coordinators, so a lot of jobs in around construction as you mentioned. But the other thing which they've actually done, which is probably bigger is, there. In the general work permit, which is a, a separate work permit, you know, just basically critical skills, the ones on the critical skills list are typically easier to get and they're for people living here on a, on a, on a permanent long-term basis. The general employment permit typically is for, you know, for two years or and then you can get it extended, etc. So they've, they've taken 32 of those roles off the ineligible occupation list. So they don't say which which um, which jobs you need a permit for, they say which jobs you can't get a permit for. And this, and you mentioned one of the key areas here is car mechanics, HGV, vehicle bodybuilders, electricians, vehicle paint technicians, you know, so they've really gone after that whole area where we have a real deficit in, in, um, in mechanics, et cetera. Um, and, you know, quite a bit of in around the forestry area as well, which I suppose people in the Midlands, particularly around the Shreve Blooms, will be glad to hear, you know. So um, I think what we're starting to see really is the government reacting to the, the huge demand for uh, both skilled labour and talent in the uh, 
in the in the Irish workforce. Yeah, I think pretty much every sector can quote numbers, and it's it's usually in the tens of thousands as well in terms of the skills gap needed, even just to meet the needs of the national development plan. Yet, yet alone <coughs> for businesses to grow too. You mentioned two weeks at the start of your career back in the with the fifties or sixties, I think you said. Um, <laughs> what's the current yeah. timeline now? Like, does is it does it take long? If, if somebody can, say, find a suitable candidate, be it through an agency or whatever, does it take long to get the permits in place and well, get that person look, into work? It, yeah, it depends. Look, the key thing is, is making sure that the paperwork is filled in properly. Like, because what happens is if you fill in the paperwork properly, they don't get to it maybe for two months or six weeks and they basically send it back to you and you have to start again from scratch, which is very, very frustrating for employers. But typically at the moment, you're probably looking at about eight weeks um, roughly to get to get the, the, the permit or, you know, visa. And these are the two bits you need. You need the permit and, and the visa. And there's usually a payment for this from the employer side of, of around €1,000. Um, one of the challenges, I suppose, is going to be the, I suppose, the threshold for, for employment permits. Um, that has risen from 30000 um to 34000 this year. And they are indicating that it will rise. Now, they haven't completely rubber stamped this, that it will rise to 39000 um, from January 25, and and that is going to sort of put this out of um, put for a lot of lot of industries. Um, I would I would suggest you know so. Um, but what we will we will ultimately see I think over the look there's a, this this is Ireland isn't alone in this. This is a global challenge. So we are effectively competing for these workers. You know with most developed countries in the world. So places like Australia, the Middle East. Lots of countries in Europe, and the UK, that was exactly where I was going to come with my next question. I was going to say, mm. if, if we look globally, then Ireland, if it is competing, we're struggling. Some would suggest to attract our own people to come back home, particularly if they're living in the sunny climes in Australia, whatever. So, is that is that becoming a factor too? And will the extension of the scheme things will it do enough to attract the people we need? Um, I, I, I think it will. It's all about speed, really, in in this scenario. In a lot of cases, I think we have um, a welcome. Traditionally, you know, we've always had a welcoming um, Ireland at the thousand welcomes, you know, and and we've we've welcomed international workers. I think we've probably lost a bit of ground on that in in the last twelve months. We don't need to go into it in any detail, but certainly anyone from you know far away shores looking in at what's happened in Ireland in the last twelve months in in relation to immigrants, and you might say, well, are there different immigrants, you know, that is definitely going to cause a challenge for people looking at us. We we have very good employers in the country. So look, we the top 48 of the top 50 worldwide companies based in Ireland from a, from a tech perspective. Very good. You know, we, we have been successful on the healthcare side um, in, in, in attracting doctors, nurses, etc. from from around the world. Um, and are, are probably the thing that lags is our indigenous industries really have have really lagged behind those traditional industries in 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 Ireland, um, in in like our own we uh, sector in FRS and in in agriculture. We've been a little bit of a laggard in terms of attracting people from abroad, and it's a bit of a bigger challenge to attract people to to agriculture, as you know, accommodation. And you, you're not working for for a company; you're working for a farm, and there's only one person, one employer. But that's improved. There was 500 um, uh, work permits granted last year in agriculture, 350. Um, it's looking like for this year. But if you look at everything we do on a, on a day-to-day basis, you're driving down the road, you look at broadband, we're bringing a lot of people in from from uh, places like the Philippines, 
to fill those. And I think where the, the, the key thing for us here is around semi-skilled. That's the type of roles we're, we're really looking to, to bring people in for and where the real dearth of talent is, you know. So, you know, from, from going to get your coffee in the morning to, you know, broadband to like the um, the NCT centre brought in 100 people. You know, there was obviously a gap there last year um, and the, the NCT centres brought in 100 workers for, on on uh, general employment permits mm. last year. It's, so. it's almost that unseen side of, of the work permit scheme as well. A final quick question for you, Colin. Is it fair to say like even the term migrant worker a lot of people are probably have the wrong perception of what a migrant worker is like and we rely on these people to come in they may just want to come in for a year move on somewhere else then as well but they're filling roles like that and reducing things like healthcare waiting lists NCT waiting lists do we have the wrong perception of it out there do you think? Oh totally I think I think it, it's already got thrown in with, with migrants and you know that general sort of people uh, people are coming in here from, from abroad, abroad to seek refuge etc but look for uh, for many, many years we've relied on, on these workers, particularly in healthcare, particularly in, in you know, high tech industries, etc. We wouldn't have been able to grow our sort of multinational sector to where it is without migrant workers. We wouldn't be the country we are without migrant workers. And opposite the opposite of that is, you know, I've seen a, a stat today with a hundred million Irish people living all over the world who've made their who've been welcomed into countries, you know, as far away is the Middle East and America and, and, and Australia. You mentioned we are exporting quite a few people abroad ourselves. So, look, we've been, always been the land of a, a thousand welcomes. So it'd be great to see these workers getting that welcome um, and not getting sort of caught up in the whole sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's there's, the there's one or two texts have come in, and, and and I can see by them already people are mixing up the two ideas, the two notions around migration, immigration, migrant workers, etc. Yeah. Take them out of the system, and we see where we go from there. But uh, Colin, as always, an absolute yeah. pleasure. Colin Donnery there is the group CEO at the FRS Group. Time for a quick break. After that, Athlone Chamber is launching a whole series of forum sessions over the next couple of months. Uh, find out about those from CEO Tommy Hogan. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Tommy Hogan, the CEO of Athlone Chamber, joins me now to talk about their new quarterly Chamber Forum sessions. They're starting in early March. Uh, good evening, Tommy. What's the objective of these up and coming sessions? Yeah, um, well, we were here in the, the Chamber, we recognise the need to have. Uh, regular insightful sessions to empower members with relevant information within the business community and we thought about um, a bunch of things and we came up with, as you mentioned, the public forum sessions which are going to be a quarterly event, lunchtime event, um, in various different locations across the town, uh, free lunch provided for attendees and we have our first one coming up on the 8th of March um, which we can delve into a little bit more. And in uh, March, but the idea of course, is, is International Women's Day, I believe, so you're kind of using correct. that as, as a central team for it. That's correct, Ronor. International Women's Day, 8th of March. We're hosting the Women in Business Lunch in Tooth at 12.30 to 2 o'clock. We had a lunch provided just in advance of the, the conversations between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Um, good opportunity to network with like-minded business people as well. And the objective is that business people who are busy can get in get lunch, hear the, the uh, presentation and get back to work. 
So it's not too much of an interruption to the walking day. Of course, the session is going to be moderated by none other than Regina Bushell. Of course, she's the Atlone Chamber Vice President and the Managing Director of Groveland's Childcare. But you've assembled a wonderful panel of, of peep speakers too. We have indeed, Ronan, and you're quite right, Ronan. Uh, Regina is going to be our um, MC for today. And we have Carmel Owens, who is the CEO of Sidero. Lined up, we have Ger Killian, Managing Director of the Lunchbag, and Gail Conway, who's a Midlands correspondent for RTE, who I believe started her career with yourselves. Uh, and all, all, all the best have as well, even as fellow called, <laughs> I think even a name in Horn started here, and the list goes on and on anyway. Oh, yeah, Many of them yeah. you know very well, but yeah, fantastic. Look, great speakers there. I mean, you have people who have been highly accredited across industry there speaking to, and um, guess what, what will the key kind of uh, messaging from this first public forum session be, do you think? Yeah, well, we're looking to get, um, each one of our speakers has a, a unique experience in their careers. And what we're looking to do is provide insightful discussions and empowering stories uh, of, of how these, the, the experiences these ladies have had in their careers. Um, and we're just looking to get that information across to people who are uh, looking for advice, maybe in direction on where their own careers are going. And every one of these ladies has had a considerable success in their careers. Um, we just want to get that message across to everyone in the, in, in the audience. It won't be just uh, the ladies in attendance. I'm sure men will gather some useful information from it as well. I'm sure they absolutely will. Uh, at loanchamber.e to find out more about those sessions. As Tommy said there, it's the first of uh, what's going to be a quarterly event as well. Great stuff happening there. Lots more coming from at Lone Chamber. Time for me to go now. Joe's here with Country Roads after news at 8 o'clock. I'll be back next Tuesday. Talk to you all then. Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.